Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorha, and welcome to a special episode of Movies That Changed My Life. We are still on our season break, but I wanted to give all of you a special look into our new podcast, IMDb's That Scene with Dan Patrick, an Amazon original where sportscaster legend Dan Patrick has conversations with some of Hollywood's biggest actors and actresses about their most iconic film and TV scenes we know and love. You can hear Will Ferrell talk about that time he went streaking in old school, or Mira Sorvino's legendary dance with Lisa Kudrow in Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. But you can listen to the first episode right here, right now, featuring Adam Sandler talking about that time he got into a fist fight with Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore. To hear the rest of the episodes, follow That Scene with Dan Patrick in the Amazon Music app, or just ask, Alexa, play That Scene podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. That Scene with Dan Patrick is sponsored by Callaway Golf. You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. Oh! All right, who takes credit for deciding to go with Bob Barker in that role? Well, Hurley, he initially wrote Ed McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dan Patrick, and this is IMDb's That Scene, an Amazon original, the podcast where I talk to some of Hollywood's top actors, directors, and producers about some of their most iconic scenes that have defined their careers, helped shape the cinematic landscape, and have even become fixtures in pop culture. Today on the show, I have Adam Sandler Yellow. and his writing partner, Tim Herlihy. How you doing, Dan? As we discuss That Scene in Happy Gilmore, where Happy fights Bob Barker. Tim and Adam met in college at NYU where they were roommates. Tim was studying to be an accountant and a lawyer, but somehow Adam convinced him to write jokes for his stand-up acts. When Adam was picked up by Saturday Night Live, Tim continued to collaborate with him and became a staff writer and eventually a producer. Adam and Tim have since collaborated on 22 movies that have grossed a combined $3 billion at the worldwide box office. you come up with the idea for happy gilmore adam sandler that was the sandman that was lucky because i my dad was a great golfer 
and we were at a driving range, and my one of my best friends from growing up, Kyle McDonough, who played uh, pro hockey in Norway, and his brother Hubie uh, played for the uh, Islanders and uh, and works for the Kings, and the, it's just a great hockey family, great great people, the McDonoughs. But Kyle came to the driving range with me and my dad, and he didn't golf that much, but he was swinging the club and banging it so far. And my father's like, man, those hockey wrists come in handy and that kind of stuff. And then, um, I just called her early one time. I said, maybe it'd be funny. Um, if, uh, uh, did a movie about a hockey player and cause he plays hockey, he can drive the ball really far. And, uh, he's not making it into the NHL and he's, obsessed with becoming a NHL guy but uh in the meantime to pay the bills he uh, gets on the pro tour something like that right Earls? yeah yeah and this was before billy came out and we kind of like i think bob simons was pushing us to make another movie cuz you know you never know you got to get the next movie going before the first one comes out because you never know how the first one's going to do so um that was definitely our best idea and even though i mean we 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 both golfed a little but we weren't like crazy golfers but we could see how funny it would be but the fact that you're starting a movie and you don't, you haven't finished the other movie, or you don't even know, like the expectation level, how high was it after Billy Madison when you're going to do Happy Gilmore? I think it was, uh, like you said, Hurls. I think it was like protection, like let's get this sucker going before that other one comes out, Billy, because it got, if it doesn't do well, they, they're going to take this all away from us. And I swear to you, uh, Danny, we we kind of lived like that for 20 years. We were like, every movie we made, we were like, well, you know what? Maybe we should uh, get a deal on this next one because who knows what the hell's going to happen. So we were constantly working. We're finally at the point now where we go, ah, they're probably going to let us do one. So let's we can calm down a little bit. All right, who takes credit for deciding to go with Bob Barker in that role? Well, Hurley, he initially wrote Ed McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, when he says that, you're going to, hey, by the way, your character is going to fight Ed McMahon. <laughs> it's just funny thinking about it, but what are you thinking about as the well, person who's got to pull it off? That was the best because we loved Ed McMahon. We loved Johnny. And I remember being so young and cocky then <laughs> that we literally would say, when we sent it to Ed McMahon, we'd be like, of course he's going to do it. It would be good. It would be good for him. We're like, this is good for his career for him to be in a movie. <laughs> movie getting in a fist fight with me or something. But, uh, but that was good. And then, and I, and I know Apatow was, uh, jamming on that with us too. And, uh, with the well, Bob. Well, in the first draft, I just wrote, um, you know, after all the insults back and forth, uh, Ed McMahon and Happy beat the hell out of each other, and then it was on to the next scene. Um, <laughs> right. But then all the the price is wrong. But I don't know if that was you or Apatow. That definitely wasn't. I think that was Apatow. So Judd Apatow is helping you with the script at this point. Yeah, he was my roommate uh, in in uh, in uh, L.A. And then and then we were getting moving on this movie, and then Judd came up to Vancouver and did a couple of weeks of jamming with us it was it was fun this is all we cared about was comedy i think all you have to do is room with you and then you get a job for life don't you adam yeah yeah that's, that's what hurley he would say please help me <laughs> we had a couple of roommates that i, I don't know where they're probably hanging yeah, out there's a few somewhere. roommates that, that aren't aren't in the business that are doing some uh i think what buscemi uh does and billy madison staring at our names wondering that they should kill us or not why did ed mcmahon turn it down 
I, he probably never even saw it. He's, his manager probably wasn't like, now why would I have my guy be around this dumb Adam Sandler guy and fight him and roll around on the grass? But then Bob Barker read it, and his first response, and I know he, he probably tells everybody this, um, was, uh, I'll do it, but I have to win the fight. <laughs> And he, because he uh, fought, his next door neighbor was, was uh, Chuck Norris. And so he said, I train with Chuck. We, we tra- train every night, and um, he helps me with my punches and my kicks. And I would love to do this, but I have to win this, this fight. And uh, <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah. I think we had to do a rewrite because it was that I beat the hell out of him. And then I think because he wanted to win, we, we changed it to him. Uh, Knock him yeah, out. Oh, yeah. oh no, I knock him out. Do who wins the fight? He does. No, he does. And he walks away. Yeah, he walks no. away. Yeah. Oh, he does. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's, that's where he gives right. you the price is wrong. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I say the the price is wrong to him. Then I headbutt him or something or something like that. Yeah, right? you headbutt him. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember doing this movie? Yes, that okay. was at a great golf course in Vancouver. Big, big what was it called? Bear something. Bear golf. Club and uh, oh. I, and we we were rolling around and it was the greatest time and he had a stunt man too <laughs> he had a stunt man that would do some of the roles and that guy was like forty two years old we were like what the hell happened <laughs> I, think, I think Bob's seventy you don't look like him at all and they would put the silver wig on him and he was, they were like we couldn't get anyone seventy to roll around on the ground idiot we didn't know what we were doing back then how tough was it to plan that uh, script that choreography we got there early in the morning did it kind of beat for beat with Dennis Dugan, the director, and uh, we did it in the morning, right? I, I wasn't there that day. Oh, oh yeah, you were busy. Yeah, yeah. Hurley, he was there every day on Billy Madison, and then all of a sudden was like he'd show up once every wow. two weeks. Yeah, you got I was writing the wedding singer. That's what I was doing. Oh, <laughs> take it easy, Hurley. He was writing Your the wedding smash hit is what I was doing. Uh, but, but when you – now, how much do you allow Bob Barker to say what he wants to say? How scripted was that scene? I think we, we, I think we wrote it pretty verbatim for Bob, and he was cool. And, yeah, he did, we were like, I wonder if he's going to say I wonder, and then when he said and we were, everyone was applauding and hugging him, and it was like the greatest moment, yeah. Anybody get hurt? No, I don't think I made it. Made, I think I fell on my head. It was slippery that morning because of the morning dew. I think I slipped and hit my uh, head, but the adrenaline kept me going. I was too excited that I was doing a, a movie. Do you have Vern Lundquist in that scene as the announcer? <laughs> He's the best, yeah. Okay, now you pitched this to Vern Lundquist? I think our friend Jack was like he was very into sports and he he was he was a, one of the producers and he was very excited to have Vern in the movie. Like we thought, oh, we'll cast somebody, and he's like, no, no, we got to have Vern in the movie. And then Jack was in the movie. He played Jack Beard, Vern's. Uh, well, no, Vern. Partner. Vern got there that morning and said, now if if we want to make this real, I I would have someone I would be talking to, you know, and we didn't have anybody there. And then one of us said, Jack, you, you know, you know golf. So you said, he goes, I'm not talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jack is your longtime producing partner, yeah. Jack Garaputo. Back yeah. then, he was just an associate producer. Then he became our, our producing partner, and he, and he was one of our best friends from uh, NYU. Jack knows more about sports than everybody, so, but he did not want to be an actor at all. So when we said be with Vern, he was like, yeah, but I don't want to talk. So then we made that part of the thing that he nods and does that kind of thing. Why is it I'm under the impression that you offered that role to Keith Oberman? Maybe we did. Oberman was was definitely offered some of our movies, right? 
Danny, you said to me, hey, next time you you want somebody. Well, I, I saw you at the Knicks game. Yeah. And you were out in the bowels of Madison Square Garden, and I walked yeah. out, and I, I said, hey, Sandman. You go, Danny Patrick. And I, I said, what's up? And he goes, your boy, he f***ed me. Oh, oh, yeah, he was coming or something? Yes, and then he didn't. It must have, it must have been that. It must have been Vern's part. And, and yeah. then he didn't fly three days prior, and then you said, yeah, uh, your boy Oberman was supposed to uh, play a role in uh, Happy Gilmore. And I go, if you ever need somebody, I'm always right. available. And the then water you, boy. And then you go, boy, yeah. you're in my next movie. You got a mustache on, you play a police officer. <laughs> and, and so I wasn't in Little Nicky. I think that was your next one, and then you cast me in uh, Longest Yard, or yeah, oh no, Waterboy! Yeah. I got to play myself. And yeah, I, Waterboy, you were you were incredible with the whole uh, me smashing uh, uh, records for uh, the most sacks, something like that. Don't you say what is in the water? Yes, Early, you yeah. wrote that. What is in the water? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and by where whatever we called it, something by you, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you know that uh, that scene? Because that feels like that's the scene that really stands out in Happy Gilmore. That well, certainly uh, stands out in my day-to-day life. When I'm walking walking anywhere, I'll hear about Where's Bob Barker. <laughs> I hear Where's Bob Barker more than anything in my life. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Of all your movies? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 without a doubt. Uh, every age. Uh, I had some man say to me at a restaurant two nights ago, and he was like the nicest older man. He goes, I raised my kids on Happy Gilmore, and I tell my grandchildren, and I teach them life lessons. With I say, now look at Happy when he's upset. He can't play well. But when he gets to his happy place, he can putt, and he needs to be calm. And I tell my grandkids that all the time. It's so funny, man. I don't know how that happened. We can't all drive the ball as far as Happy Gilmore, but thankfully for the rest of us, Callaway Golf has created the new Big Bertha B21. Because truth is, there's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. You just need the technology of Big Bertha to unlock it. And it's pretty simple. A straighter ball equals a longer ball. So Callaway built a whole family of Big Bertha drivers, irons, woods, and hybrids with a new formula for forgiveness. Big Bertha was designed to reduce side spin while generating an insane amount of ball speed, leading to straighter shots off the tee. That's how you unleash your inner distance. That's how you drive like Happy Gilmore. And Callaway made Big Bertha irons so forgiving, you can practically hit them anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. No matter your swing, Big Bertha gives every shot more distance. Big Bertha is a full family of long, forgiving, and really easy-to-hit clubs. So say hello to the fairway again. Introduce yourself to the green, because this is distance any way you swing it. Unlock your inner distance today at CallawayGolf.com slash Big Bertha. But, you know, you do have life lessons here in your first two movies. I mean, not that it's a life lesson to be a Bob Barker, but, you know, Billy Madison, life lessons, there's anti-bullying, and then you're, you know, this altruistic good guy, Happy Gilmore, eventually, where you're trying to make money. Save grandma. Save grandma's house there. But it really, <laughs> yeah. I see through this this facade, there's always a beautiful woman who's involved in this that you're really trying to impress. The same thing with Billy Madison yeah. and with yeah. Happy Gilmore. Yes, yes, yes. I've always done it for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we're always kind of resistant. That seems like the studio, because we thought after Billy Madison, like now that we made a success, like that the studio wouldn't give us notes anymore. And it felt like they gave us more notes. So we always were trying to figure out, okay, like in Billy, like why would this girl ever like 
Billy when he all he does is, is eat paste and throw stuff and so we needed that scene you know but that was sort of at the behest of the studio to do something like that I mean I'm not That's sure true. but it sounds like a studio sort of thing yeah I still I I can't imagine that did you do a table read with Bob Barker I don't think so I don't think Bob was cast then I think we did a table read. And I remember Covert was playing the homeless caddy. Oh, that's right. Alan Covert, who was a producer, collaborator of yours for a long, long time. Anybody else you found a little difficult or trickier to get on board? I remember Chris McDonald when he was Shooter McGavin, and we were trying to talk him into doing the movie because he, he didn't take it right away. He was, what was that great movie he was in with Thelma and Louise? Thelma and Louise. But he was yeah, shooting some so he was, he was, he was in like, the same hotel as us. Yeah, and we saw him, and we met him, and we had lunch with him, and we were like, we got this movie, we're doing it, we would love you to be the guy, and he was kind of like just in a different league than us, because he was working with movie stars, and we were still goofy, <laughs> and then he finally said, yeah, but, and then I remember on the scene where I break the bottle, and I I go, you know, I threaten him with a bottle. In real life, Chris McDonald's a tough dude, so... He was he was like I don't know man I got I'm afraid of this guy like he was always a little like because I was three inches shorter than him and he looked like he was bigger than me he was always like I gotta be afraid of this guy I'm like yeah you probably have been scared of a crazy person before doesn't matter how big they are he'd be like yeah but wow I gotta be afraid of you like wow <laughs> he was having a hard time with that for a minute but that was such I mean that's what he's known for now right oh yeah he's he's shooter he's he's great he's great and when he's one of the uh, family member for life uh, I do remember it was a it was a moment to get Chris to say yes right early did we what made yeah, him do I, remember, it? I don't like, even know he, he saw us in the lobby at one point and after we had asked him and he saw us and he turned around the other way and pretended <laughs> he didn't see us and we chased him through <laughs> yeah, the lobby yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just uh, just he was hanging out with the real players, and then he saw how excited we were to <laughs> be in our movie. Well, I don't know. And then you get lines like, uh, "You eat pieces of for breakfast." That's right. That's the only line me and Herla he fight over uh, who wrote it. He says he wrote it, and I think I wrote it. Yeah, no, I wrote it, and you think you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you, Hurley. You, oh no, you don't give it to me. I I earned it. You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of for breakfast? We kind of do it different every movie. Sometimes sometimes I'm very involved. Sometimes I'm less involved. Sometimes we concoct the whole thing very much together. Sometimes we're rewriting another person's script that we need to put in our voice. It, there's no oh, like, like, from movie to movie. It work like this, Danny. I'll, I'm on the phone with him. I'll say something like, maybe Happy goes, you eat pieces of for breakfast, then Hurley he typed it, <laughs> thinks he wrote it because he typed it. That's how it works. Let it go, Sandman. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> you got your Independent Spirit Award. Let's yeah. Have <laughs> oh, yeah, let's hear more about that. Yeah, it's, it's right here next to me. Hang on, let me say hello. <laughs> My little spirit. Yeah. That was the start, the launching of Ben Stiller. What did? Mm. You, how much did you know about Stiller and who wrote his lines as the orderly? That was an Apatow thing, right? Yeah. I got good news. We're extending arts and crafts time by four hours today. My fingers hurt. What's that? My fingers hurt. Oh, well, oh. now your back's going to hurt. Because you just pull landscaping duty. Hmm. Anybody else's fingers hurt? 
I think, yeah, I think Ab- that was, that was a- an Apatow thing. Apatow and Ben were tight. But I knew Ben when I was very young on MTV. I knew him when I was like 18. And then when Apatow was in Vancouver doing the jams with us, he said, man, we should show Grandma more, right? No, no, because I do remember we had the air conditioning dropping on the lady, the lady going, Mister, Mister. <laughs> well, the air conditioner's broken. I'm, I'm getting a little warm. Well, just let the kid fix it for you. All right. You got the little twisty knobs? That ain't doing it. All right. But the Mister Mister, yeah. that was yes. from my real, my poor grandma lived in Maimonides Nursing Home in Brooklyn, and I went to NYU. And every time I visited grandma in Brooklyn, I would get off the elevator, and there was an older woman, and she would scream at me, Mister Mister, <laughs> get me out of here! And I'd be like, Oh. God, I would be so shook up. So my first five minutes with my grandmother, I would always be like, oh, that lady, wants, oh, she wants out, man. What the hell am I doing? i got to help that lady escape. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! Did you keep your uh, Boston Bruins jersey from uh, Happy Gilmore? Somewhere, it's somewhere. It's at a Hard Rock or something. I think it, it went to a Hard Rock. What was the place on on Fifty Seventh Street? Not Hard Rock, the one at uh, Planet Hollywood. I oh, think. Yeah, but they, they went they out didn't of business. Keep great track of that stuff back in the day. They, they'd have like wardrobe sales on the last day, and you could buy like stuff from the wardrobe for like a dollar and stuff. Really? Back then, I when I would say, "Hey, I want to keep this," uh, they'd be like, "No, you you can't." <laughs> and now, uh, in my great career, I go, hey, I'm keeping this. They go, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that hockey stick should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, oh yeah, no, that's definitely that, that Odyssey putter. Uh, Odyssey made those putters for us, and they gave me like 20 of them. My father put it up. At, it's actually in my house above the fireplace is, is that putter. Were you any good at golf? I was okay. I used to play a lot. I mean, I would shoot low 90s back then now i'm terrible but uh my father was shooting in, uh, in the low 70s oh no kidding yeah he was great my father used to gamble and and uh i think he you know had like a six handicap and and uh this was definitely my father's obsession me and my brother used to go out with my father play golf we we play like four or five holes and then we say can we just drive and watch you because we both tune out <laughs> who picked your caddy that, that was Hurley. He wrote that, the covert of it all. And and didn't you write, it's Alan Covert, Hurls? Is that how that happened? Because I forget Covert. He wasn't in Billy, or he was supposed to be something in Billy, and the studio wouldn't let us have him. So I think we felt like yeah. we owed him a little bit. What happened was he was originally Norm McDonald's best friend. It was Covert and, and Norm in Billy Madison. And then they wouldn't let us have Covert. So it, it ended up being uh, Mark Beltzman, who's a great guy, and he's hilarious. And he is funnier than Covert. You heard me, Covert. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's not kick Covert when he's down. <laughs> no, Covert's a 10. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for uh, getting together. I appreciate it. Wish Hurley he would have gotten a little more airtime here, but... Um... I loved cutting him off every time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well,
And it's been a pleasure. And Hurley, you you know who wrote it, deep in your heart. <laughs> That's so me. You couldn't have wrote it. <laughs> right, Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Look out for our upcoming guests like Will Ferrell and David Spade, exclusively on Amazon Music. IMDb's That Scene with Dan Patrick was created, hosted, and produced by me, Dan Patrick. It's also produced by Brendan Pike, edited by Nathan Moody, and executive produced by Paul Anderson, Nick Pinella, and Andrew Greenwood for Workhouse Media. IMDb's That Scene with Dan Patrick is a production of Dan Patrick Productions and IMDb in association with Workhouse Media. That Scene with Dan Patrick is sponsored by Callaway Golf. Tired of missing it right every time? Tired of losing to guys like Shooter McGavin? Stop playing your ball out of the wrong fairway and start playing the new Big Bertha B21s from Callaway. There's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. You just don't know it. That's why Callaway designed the Big Bertha driver to reduce side spin, leading to more bombs straight down the middle. And they made Big Bertha irons so forgiving, you can practically hit them anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. This is distance. Any way you swing it, unlock your inner distance today at CallawayGolf.com slash Big Bertha.